Should your pastor preach politics in the pulpit? Let's find out and let's go bold. I'm Scott Patton. Thank you all for joining us today for the Go Bold Podcast. Please consider hitting that like, subscribe, and share button on our YouTube channel. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our Facebook page at the Go Bold Network. And finally, hey, please check out our website at the GoBoldNetwork.net. That's the GoBoldNetwork.net. The greatest strategic danger to the lost are silent and timid Christians. And here at the Go Bold Network, we're going to call out persecution. We're going to call out deceptions of Christians in all forms. And we're going to be bold and courageous. And we're going to stand up for King Jesus against the cancel and the Marxist culture today. Now, to our top story. Should your pastor preach politics from the pulpit? That's the question. In fact, I'm so uh, enamored with this question that we're going to have, we're going to make this kind of a mini-series, almost like a mini-sermon series, but it's going to be a mini-podcast series that we're going to cover for the next several weeks. And I will tell you that this is one of the most confusing and controversial questions I believe in the church today. And many people have opinions about this, and most of the time is due to most people how they see the world. You know, like you see the world from you sit. You really do. And that's really where this opinion comes. And a lot of times it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with scriptures. And it doesn't have to do with anything other than emotion. And that's unfortunate because I think we have to take a look at this scripturally and and also what the Holy Spirit of God is convicting us to do. Now, this includes pastors. This includes denominations. Some denominations are more outspoken than the others. And it goes something like this normally. If your guy is in office or gal, you shouldn't preach politics. But if your guy or gal is not in office, well, then we should speak prophetically. Oh, yeah. How many times we hear this last year against that person? And we heard that nonsense a whole bunch from the Southern Baptist elites this last year, like Russell Moore and Ed Stetzer. Oh, we're just speaking prophetically. Yeah, all the time. But let's start with the confusion part of this. And I've had discussions with this with with some, um, I would just say, some pretty popular um, evangelicals um, that you might uh, know, but I won't mention their names. But here's the thing. The politics and the pulpit confusion, I believe, often comes from a very misused and misquoted verse in the Bible from the Apostle Paul, and that is in Romans 13. We always use Romans 13 as this example on why you should never preach politics on the pulpit. Romans 13, specifically 1 through 7, it's been used by secular governments for centuries. Now, I will tell you right now, this has been a very popular passage here in the, the last several years in the, in the kind of the, the cool kid uh, culture uh, that you see today in a lot of churches. But really, it's been used for centuries to beat Christians over the head with. And there's, there's reason that they want you to uh, carte blanche submit to this, and that is to obey them. Not trust and obey, but obey uh, the secular governments. And sometimes this interpretation is just a submission to government authorities. And for that reason, this is why we should not preach politics from the pulpit. 
separation from church and state, don't you know? Yeah, well, I'm going to just tell you guys, this whole idea of separate, that's a whole nother podcast, and we're not going to go there today. But it's one of those things, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with Romans 13. The liberals love to throw that one out, but, uh, and, and like I said, that's a whole separate podcast. But here's the thing. The liberal elite Christians many times like to, to beat other Christians who don't conform to their liberal theology over the head with Romans 13. And I believe it's one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible. But there is a good reason that the words here, uh, that, that Paul put these words in here, because I'm not, diso- I'm not, I'm not saying that these words not, are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Oh, indeed, they are, and they are rich. But it's how people interpret them, because the Holy Spirit uh, inspired these words. Now, once you take a look at the screen, you're going to see here what I'm talking about. Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, (coughs) this is where a lot of the tyranny comes from because people will see this verse and they will misuse it. They will misquote it, and they will use this verse in God's word to subject their will. And oh, how the Marxists love to quote this verse. You see there some some Marxist uh, 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 leaders of their countries, and you also see some Marxist politicians. And man, they used they they love to to use this verse. Unfortunately, it is it is misused from many in the church also with very liberal beliefs, but we saw this on a large scale during the COVID-19 crisis across the world and in America, and unfortunately some in many states and in many cities that we see. We live in a time where Marxism is the established government religion. You see it all across the world, and unfortunately you're starting to see it in America. You know, where hatred is taught in schools based on your class or your skin color with the Marxist tools such as critical race theory and intersectionality. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately we even see that uh, in churches today. But where you had one set of rules for the secularists, but you saw this during COVID-19. You had one set of rules for the secularists with the pot shops and the bars and the shopping centers and another set of rules for churches. Outdoor protests versus outdoor church services. Oh, well, what about at casinos? Oh, that's a whole nother place. You're not going to catch COVID in casino, but man, you will at church. I thought it was really cool when the church in Las Vegas started to go to have church at the casino. They started renting it out in their concert hall because they could have 50% capacity there, but inside their church, they could only have like 10% capacity. Isn't that cool? But anyway. I digress. All around the world right now, we're witnessing the rise of these Marxist dictators and brutal leaders like uh, in China, like Xi and Putin and Adoran and Trudeau in Canada. Oh, my goodness. That guy's lost his mind. But we have even seen mayors and governors from the U.S. These are Marxists who rule with an iron fist, and they have little regard for religious liberties or anything, anyone's liberty for that matter. And the question becomes, when this starts to hinder the gospel. Now, 
The question also that you see here in Romans 13 uh, that Paul writes about, and specifically Romans 13 verses 1 through 7, they argue a lot of times it argues uh, uh, the the civil authorities and the politicians will argue that the civil governments of this world has a legitimate authority over God's people. Now, I believe that Paul in Romans 13 is referring to this in twofold. I don't think that's what he's arguing. He's saying the civil authorities have indeed power over us, yes, because God has destined them. You saw this. You see this. Uh, and God, the only reason they're there is because, yes, God has destined these people, these leaders into power, regardless of who's in power. We as Christians, and what Paul is saying, we as Christians uh, have a obligation as our witness to be good citizens. Yes, to fulfill our obligations, to, to be our full witnesses on display. You know, we pay at taxes and, and respect the laws and, and obey God's laws or, or, or the, the laws of our city or our state or our country when they don't violate God's laws and they don't hinder us from worshiping our God. We have that freedom, and we need to be. And, and it's not like you could live here, and like let's just take for America, for free. I mean, my goodness, we can't live here for free. So, yes, we've got to have protection, uh, and that's going to cost money for our military and our policemen and our firemen and, and our roads, and we've got to pay good taxes, and just like we always do. Here's, but it's not that, that you are going to submit to their authority when, when these laws violate God's law. I want you to look at Romans uh, chapter 13, verses 6 through 7. And you're going to see this here. You're going to see this here. This is why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God. I'm reading this God's word here. This is why uh, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. And what you owe in taxes, pay taxes. If the revenue, then revenue. If you respect that. Then, if, then, then honor that, okay? Now, I want you to, to, to think about that verse. Paul is telling us to be good citizens. Jesus said something similar when he said, you remember what Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one? Then render to Caesar's what is Caesar's, and render to God what is God. Now, the question becomes, what if man laws violate God's laws? Now, I want you to see those pictures of those children. Those are disturbing photos. And you see those little children that were from Jewish, the Holocaust concentration camps. You saw with Nazi Germany. One of the greatest tragedies in the last century, probably in the last two or 300 years, was the Holocaust. Now, if you went and did like a lot of the people are advocating today, that, oh, you just need to go by Romans 13, and you need to fully submit to the government that long, okay, that Jews were rounded up, tortured, and killed. That was the law from the Nazis. And the, I, I would almost bet you that there were Nazi government officials that misrepresented Romans 13 many times where, where you had pastors in the pulpit were probably reminded of Romans 13. Preachers, you cannot preach politics from the pulpit. Oh, no, uh-uh. And what happened? Christians were deadly silent as train car after train car of God's people 
were sent away to be murdered, tortured, and executed. Millions were slaughtered. And, of course, millions more would die in World War II. Now, I want you to look at something here. From America's inception, now, into the Civil War, the law of the land, the law of the land prior to the Civil War was slavery was legal in every American state. It was also in England. Now, you see the two men that you see there in the picture, John Newton. Oh, what a disciple of Jesus he was. He wrote Amazing Grace, but what a lot of people don't know about John Newton is he had enormous influence over a guy named William William Wilberforce, and Wilberforce used to preach, and he was also a a, a English-British uh, politician. He was a devout Christian, and he was a huge Christian evangelical abolitionist in England. And yes, he would make his life's work to pass laws to make the slave trade illegal in London. Yes, he did. And that would eventually lead to the outlawing of, of slavery amongst black people. Pastor John Brown in the United States, you probably remember him from your history class in America. Now, w John Brown did use violence, which we don't advocate here at all, but he was, he was eventually executed for murdering five pro-slavery men. But John Brown, another pastor, would be venomous and his 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 and he would not be silenced on how slavery in the United States violated God's law, and he would not be silent in the pulpit. And eventually, he would he would be killed. Um, he would be he would be executed by hanging. Now, I want you to look at this next picture. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. It was the Reverend Martin Luther King and Billy Graham. Yeah, that Billy Graham that preached politics in the pulpit, that stood up to the racist Democratic governor Jim Crow laws and the Democratic Party's militant wing. You knew who they were. No, it's not Antifa like it is now. It's the Ku Klux Klan. King and Graham uh, would speak out against the Jim Crow laws that you saw through all throughout the South. And they did that through bold preaching in the pulpits. And they also did it with peaceful protest, just like Jesus did. These great pastors were not silent in the pulpit. No, no, sir, they weren't indeed. They preached out against the horrible man-made laws. Also, you saw this in other countries, in other contexts. It was pastor and evangelical icon, Pastor Charles Spurgeon, who would go toe-to-toe in London, England, against a upcoming communist Marxist named Karl Marx, who wrote the Communist Manifesto, whose writings and influence would lead to hundreds of millions of deaths. But it was Charles Spurgeon who would go toe-to-toe -to -toe him in the pulpits in London. He spoke out against this new cool worldly theory called communism promoted by Marx. As a result... Spurgeon's boldness in the pulpit in England, they did not succumb, London did not succumb to the evils of communism. But in Moscow, they did. The pastors in Moscow, the Christian leaders, were silent in the pulpit. Yeah, 
they were misinformed by Romans 13. But England, led by Spurgeon, they were not. Spurgeon, like King and like Martin Luther King and Graham, yes, Spurgeon, he did in, it did indeed preach politics on the pulpit when the Holy Spirit of God inspired him to. Now, when I refer to politics, I'm not talking about like the Keystone Pipeline or our taxes that, that you raise for, for your school or anything like that or a military budget or gasoline tax. I'm not referring to these types of politic issues or, or, or advocating in your church for a particular political party or a particular person. What I am doing, though, I'm referring you uh, to the governing authorities that, you, that have violated God's law. And this is where pastors, I, must, I believe, must rely on the God's word and the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Now, the question becomes, when man's laws violate God's laws from a biblical perspective, I'm going to show you here how ridiculously stupid this misrepresentation of Romans 13 argument is. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. Pastors should preach against a law that violates God's law or as fellow Christians speaking out against man-made laws that violate God's law. Now, I'm not advocating in violence of any kind, and nor did Jesus, okay? I'm not. But, no, God does not want us to submit to ungodly or other idols. Yes, I believe if you are called to preach the gospel of Jesus, you're required to speak out against those things that violate God's laws or those laws that indiscriminately target innocent people, Christians, and unfortunately, unfortunately, we have so many weak-kneed pastors that just want to put on their popular pants instead of their big boy pants, and they're afraid to speak out against this because uh, they, they, they want to be, they want people to buy their books, they want people to listen to their podcast. Now, I'm just going to tell you, folks, it just a, a brief examination of the Old Testament, and that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to give you some Old Testament examples where there are a plethora of men and women with words and actions against laws that violated God's laws and how they would speak out. I'm just going to give you a few examples of what you think about here. Did Egyptian midwives violate Romans 13 when they didn't kill all the Jewish babies? I'm just saying. I mean, think about that. That was the law. You need to submit to the law. Did Moses violate God's principle of submission to authority when he killed the Egyptian in defense of his fellow Hebrew who was killing his fellow Hebrew. You don't think that he preached out against submission authority when he walked into Pharaoh's court and he said, let my people go? No. Let me ask you this. Did Rahab violate God's law or submission to authority, if you're going to use that Romans uh, 13 misrepresentation, when she hid Joshua's spies in her house? Oh, yeah, but what about Elijah? Oh, yeah. Did he, when he openly challenged Ahab and Jezebel? Oh, but what about Amos? And his warning to multiple state leaders of Jerusalem. He was calling them out. And he said, hey, look, you're not doing things right here, guys. But what about David? Oh, yeah, what about David? 
that whole principle of submission to authority when he refused to surrender to Saul's troops. He didn't surrender. You see, here's what I want everybody to understand unequivocally. <coughs> we are citizens of heaven first. I'm going to tell you something, guys. Heaven trumps your state of residency every single time. The great prophet Jeremiah called uh, this to seek the good of the city. And he said here in, in Jeremiah 29.7, he said, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord as on your behalf, for it's your, in your welfare you will find your welfare. Who is the God that we serve as citizens of heaven? You know what it says, what that verse basically says? We're basically living sojourners in exile here in the United States or in Mexico or Canada or wherever you live as a disciple of Jesus or as Christians. Now, even this proud veteran, you guys know that I'm a retired Army colonel. I spent 28 years and I fought in three wars. And I will tell you that my citizenship is in heaven. It far exceeds my citizenship or any service I had to America. But what happens when we're forced to choose between the two? Whose God will you serve? Think about that question. That question leads to one of the greatest biblical stories ever, ever told. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, a story that's still so rich. It never gets old. And I'm sure you probably remember it if you have any Christian background from Bible school or Sunday school. As you recall, the trio of young men were assigned to King Nebuchadnezzar's court. But if you use the Roman 13 analogy like so many people tell you to use today, you think they would submit to the governing authorities there? Now, they didn't do anything violently. No, they didn't. And that's what Paul's saying. That's what Jesus would say. When they refused the order of the king to kneel to the God, you need to kneel to us. You can't have your Bible. You can't bring your Bible to school. Yeah, you need to kneel to our gods. You can't kneel in prayer, but you, you've got to kneel to the government. And through them, the burning, and you see, remember, he told them no. They said, no, we're not going to kneel to your God. And through that, the burning furnace, not a hair on their head. When, when Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the burning furnace, not a hair on their head of the sands. And then you also saw the Son of Man standing right there with them. A Jesus sighting, yes, indeed. You remember when what they said to King Nebuchadnezzar before they were thrown into the furnace? I want you to go to Daniel. Chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Look what it says there on your screen. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God, the, I love this word, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But look what it says here in 18. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know your majesty. See how respectful they are here? That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. See, guys, this is what I think was on Paul's heart when the Holy Spirit inspired him to say these words in Romans 13. He's saying, yes, be polite. And, and yes, you, you, you don't have to do this, but you, but you do not. When the authority, when, it, when civil authorities try to uh, exert themselves over God, 
it gives us a good blueprint here. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and really the entire book of Daniel, gives us one of the greatest God, I believe, is how we balance many times if we preach politics in the pulpit or not. Because the conviction is based on God's word, not our emotions, not on what candidate we like, but God's word, and a prompt from the Holy Spirit. But I believe it's inspired. You see, Paul indicated for us to be good citizens— I would see that as be polite, be professional, be courteous. Don't compromise God's law. And yes, as shepherds of a flock, as pastors, when God's law is violated and the Holy Spirit calls us to, we need to make sure that we speak out boldly and courageously. And that, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is how we go bold. Now, I want you to join us for the next episode of part two, the pulpit and politics. And now the next week uh, on our next episode, we're going to look at a new Testament and how Jesus did this. You're going to be surprised when you really dig into this. And I'm looking forward to you watching this show and the next, and please hit that like and subscribe and give us a comment. We would love to have your comments. And that my friends is how we go bold. God bless you and go bold.